This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. I should be doing this better. I should have known. I should have seen that coming. And and a lot of therapists, I know I'm not the only one that says this, but we often remind people, don't should all over yourself. (laughs) (laughs) There's nothing good that comes of it. Welcome to Nirvana Sisters, where we discuss all things health and well-being to help you achieve your highest state, your nirvana. Hi, I'm Amy Sherman, a marketing exec with a passion for wellness and beauty. Hi, I'm Katie Chandler, a former fit model that has a passion for health and fitness. We are sisters-in-law who share the same love for well-being, ready to sift through all the self-care noise and bring you a splash of what we think is fun. So let's get started. In today's episode, we sit down with Dr. Erin Cooper. She's a clinical psychologist out of Cleveland, Ohio, and she specializes in the evaluation and evidence-based treatment of mood disorders, anxiety, stress, trauma. She pretty much covers everything. She's a, a generalist in her therapy and has a lot of great tips for us. Katie, I really loved her talking about strategies to get through this time. I just found it really refreshing and I felt very calm after I spoke with her. Yeah, she's definitely one of those people that you can talk to about pretty much anything. She she has a lot of, of great things to say. And then stay tuned towards the end. Amy has a dynamite product review that is going to help with your sleep hygiene. So take a listen. Welcome to Nirvana Sisters with my very, very dear friend, Dr. Erin Cooper. Hi, Cooper. Hello, Katie. Thanks for having me. Hi, Hi, Dr. Cooper. It's so nice to meet you. I've heard so much about you over the years. So thank you for joining us today. My pleasure. I want to kick this off with our weekly Nirvana, Dr. Cooper. I am super excited to hear yours, but Amy, let's start with you. What was yours this week? So mine this week was my dog's birthday. My dog Brando turned 16 this week. He's a little multi-poo, Maltese poodle mix, and literally the sweetest, cutest boy in the world. And he was my first baby. So he turned 16 this week. He got his driver's license and we made him a big steak dinner with the family. So it was super cute and fun. And he had lots of steak and enjoyed it. And it was just a sweet day to spend with the family. So that was my Nirvana of the week. What about you, Katie? That's so sweet. I can picture little Brando eating a steak. Mine was something I have been meaning to do for a long, long time and was never able to do it because I didn't know how. And I finally really researched the way to start my meditation practice religiously. I've always kind of gotten the idea of how to meditate and I've done little meditations here and there and I've used the apps, but this, this week I really dove into like why it wasn't working out in the past, what I needed to set myself up. I made my own meditation space. I came up with my own mantra and I've been doing it 10 minutes a day, every day this week. And I'm trying I'm just going to try to keep going. Like my goal is to be Good less for you. Yeah. I'm trying to be less reactive. I'm a little oh, reactive yeah. these days. So. <laughs> All right, Dr. Cooper, what's yours? So mine is related to fundraising for the rare condition that my daughter has. My almost four-year-old has Prader-Willi syndrome, and fundraising is a really critical part of helping to fund a cure or a treatment, really, because it's a genetic condition. We can't cure it. But treatments for, for the various ways that this impacts our kids. And so we just wrapped up a, a fundraiser 
for Victoria's doctor in Florida that raised $128,000, which was like wow, double what any of us. Congratulations. Yeah, it was so awesome. And then on the heels of that, I launched my own first fundraiser. I designed my first t-shirt. That was really fun and a little outside of my comfort zone and, and hopefully it's successful. That's fantastic. I can't wait That's to amazing. Put my hands on that t-shirt. So again, thanks Dr. Cooper for being on the show. And we just want to ask you a couple, what we call quick fire questions. Firstly, how long have you been a clinical psychologist? I began my training back in 2008 and I've been independently licensed since 2015. Great. And what do you specialize in? Uh, so I truly consider myself to be a generalist. So depression, anxiety, life in general. And then I have particular interests and expertise in relationships, communication, health behavior changes, sexual functioning, sexuality, LGBTQ plus issues. But I see everything that that might impact someone. Great. And how would you describe your therapy style and what treatments do you utilize? My patients over the years have given me some feedback on this. I'm myself, uh, you know, I, my the way that I phrase things might be slightly different when I'm wearing my Dr. Cooper hat versus my Aaron hat, but I'm still me in session with my patients. I'm honest. I'm at times directive if needed. I can be a bit irreverent or sarcastic, but I really seek to make people feel comfortable and to to provide them with a non-judgment, totally safe space to share with which is what is often their deepest, darkest secret that no one in the world knows but me. I know that you've got the ability to make people that comfortable to speak to you about. I, I'm already it's comfortable. Really cool. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, wait, I'm calling you after this. We have things to discuss. <laughs> so we obviously wanted to, you know, talk to you for many reasons, but this episode in particular, we really want to get into self care and combating isolation during this absurd. COVID era and quarantine, what would you say is a common thread that you're seeing between your patients in regards to what's happening in the world right now? Stress, Mm -hmm. fear, uncertainty, frustration, a lot of stress. I would imagine it's manifesting in many ways. How are you, how are you seeing that affect people? Yeah. So, you know, some folks respond to this by isolating further. You know, I can't see my friends in person, so I'm not even going to bother to FaceTime or, you know, the Zoom calls got old. And so I'm not even going to bother to call or text. And so some people really withdraw within themselves more during times of, of stress and fear. Other people are leaning into substances. So maybe they're drinking more than they normally would or that they previously did, or, or maybe they're using other substances as a way of coping, you know, and and then some people are leaning into this and trying to find in spite of all the stress, trying to find like, okay, I have this time where my life, all of our lives looks very different than we, than it normally does. Or, or I guess we should be careful to say normally, right? Because the normal is different moving forward. It looks different than it previously did. And, and how can we make the most of this time? You know, are there things around the house that we've wanted to improve or projects that we've wanted to do or traditions we've wanted to start with our children? How can we get the most of this time? So there's a lot of different ways that people respond to, to these kinds of things. I love that. And I think all of those things you just described define so many different people that I know. And even me at sometimes, like in the beginning, I was drinking more and I was like on Zooms and then I took 
the time and started realizing what inspires me and spending more time with my family and doing all the things that I normally don't get to do because you're busy and running around. So there's always like sort of this positive light of it as well. Yeah. And it's almost as if Sure. Like in the beginning of this, we all didn't know how long this was going to last. So I'm going to stress eat. I'm going to throw back the bottle a little bit more. I'm going to like <laughs> blow off some steam. And the next thing we know, it's almost a year later and we're still in it. So I, I assume a lot of people have just adjusted, right, to the best of their abilities. It's interesting. One of the hardest parts about this for a lot of people has been this idea that it's the it, the unknown of how long this is going to last, right? So when this first started, we were told, like, everyone locked down for X number of weeks and we'll get through this and, and things will go back to normal. And then those weeks turned into months and then those months, right, and now here we are, as you said, a year later, and and we're still dealing with this in ways that we were not expecting in the beginning. And so managing expectations is a really important part of helping us deal with stress. If we're told from the outset, this is something that's going to be hard for the next 12 months, people are going to approach it differently than if this is something that's going to be hard for the next you know month or 12 weeks. So that, that expectation has been something that's really been troublesome for, I would say, most of us, if not all of us, but particularly troublesome for some other people who have a hard time tolerating uncertainty in this way. Mm. Yeah, I would I would imagine that people that don't respond well to feeling out of control would have a really hard time because there's no answers right now. But just generally speaking, I think it would be interesting to know what challenge or issue Would people maybe be surprised about or comforted to know that other people have as well? I would say that people would be surprised to know that most of what they are beating themselves up for, there are many other people beating themselves up for the same things in the same way. Hmm. I hear time and again, I mean, and, and it's almost verbatim, you know, it's like, is there a club where everyone is talking about how to phrase these nasty comments that bounce around inside our head? And it's, you know, it's to the point where my perspective is as a cognitive behavioral therapist, you know, we're able to create worksheets of cognitive distortions, not because, and most people, when I hand them one, will be like, yep, that's me. That's me. That's me. That's me. That's me. And I always am quick to tell people, this is not, you're not going through that list saying that's me, that's me, that's me, because you're quote unquote crazy, or there's something so wrong with you. It's that these things are so common. We're able to make worksheets outlining what they are. So for the listener, what would be an example of a cognitive distortion? Minimizing, right? So if someone gives you praise for, you know, thank you so much for that wonderful thing you did for me and my family in your head, or even out loud to the person, but what's most important in this piece is what's in your head. In your head, you might be saying, well, I, it's not that big a deal. I'm not that good of a person. They don't really mean it, right? And it's always this negative, judgmental discounting of the good within you that, that maintains levels of distress and negative thinking that are really detrimental to our, our emotional and mental health. That's interesting. So it's like a negative narrative that you kind of can bring around with you always. Wow. Yeah. Or, or shoulds are a really common one. Like I should be a better mom. I shouldn't have done that. I should be doing this better. I should have known. I should have seen that coming. And, and a lot of therapists, I know I'm not the only one that says this, but we often remind people don't should all over yourself. (laughs) (laughs) There's nothing good that comes of it. And the idea of, of a should is that it implies when you say I should do XYZ, or I should be XYZ. 
it implies that there is one right and one wrong, right? If I should be something, that's the right thing. And if I'm not that thing, then I must be wrong. And that's just not real life, right? Real life is not black and white. Real life is is many shades of gray. I'd love to also get a definition um, specifically of CBT therapy, because I've heard about it and I've read about it a little bit. And I know one of the other things, I know that there's many sort of challenges or topics that a lot of people feel when they're going through this therapy. But I know another one is catastrophizing. If you could just explain to the audience what CBT is. Sure. CBT looks at the interaction between our thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. And and those things all influence one another. And so, for instance, if I see a friend in the parking lot and I wave to that friend and they don't wave back and I say to myself, what did I do to her? Why is she mad at me? What, like, what's her problem, right? If that's the narrative, the thought that I have about it, then it's going to impact how I feel about it. I'm going to feel angry, put off, disrespected, maybe sad. Oh no, I made her mad, right? Worried. And that's going to impact my behavior. So maybe I call my friend and yell at her. How dare you not say hi to me? What's wrong with you? Or if I'm worried she's mad at me, maybe I call I call and say like, are we okay? Like, is everything fine? Right? That's going to impact my behavior, which is then going to f- further reinforce that kind of thinking. Whereas... If I see a friend in the parking lot, I wave, say hi, and they don't say anything back. And I say to myself, she must not have seen me. Suddenly, my feeling, my emotional response to that event is kind of a nothing, right? Right. I don't need to get all upset about it. I'm not worried. I'm not scared. I'm not angry. It's just a nothing. She didn't see me. And so then that's going to influence my behavior, right? Maybe I call her like, hey, what were you doing You know, in the parking lot the other day? I saw you. You must not have seen me. Where were you going, right? And that's going to then further influence that that more balanced frame of thinking. It's like a, a chain of events. Right. It's, so it's, it's, it's shifting that perspective, it seems like. 100% a chain of events. And, and the easiest way to break that negative chain is to identify the thoughts and start to identify the distorted ways that we think the distorted ways that we talk to ourselves often about ourselves and change that habit because really it ends up becoming a bad habit. I mean, some of the people that I work with have been talking so, so unkindly to themselves, giving themselves no grace at all for years or decades. And so it becomes this sort of like deep groove in the way that you think. And it takes some very intentional effort to, to, you know, erase that hard drive and write over a new one. It kind of leans me into self-care because I would imagine addressing that issue within yourself is a massive self-care tool. What are some of your other self-care tools? What are your go-tos? So I think that it's important to recognize the mind-body connection. And so a lot of the initial self-care sorts of things that, that I address with patients is, you know, how are you sleeping? How are you eating? Are you getting any exercise? Are you overindulging in, in substances? And it's not that that any of these things are, are good or bad in and of themselves, but it's really about seeking balance. Because when our, when our eating is out of balance, when our sleep is out of balance, when our physical movement is out of balance, when our substance use is out of balance, we can't possibly expect our emotional self to be in balance. And so sort of addressing, like, is there sleep hygiene that we need to talk about? You know, are there things that you're, are you doing, are you engaging in emotional eating that is potentially only exacerbating the issue and possibly creating additional issues? Are you, you know, drinking a bottle of wine every night, you know, to, to 
wine down. I'm all for a glass of wine, but mm-hmm. what bottle of wine serving you, right? And so talking through those things is, is sort of, I think, step one of self-care. I also want to give people permission for self-care to be productive. I think that that in a sort of stereotypical way, we often think of self-care as a bubble bath with candles lit and soothing spa music in the background or piecing out from our family and going and getting a, a mani-pedi and a massage and having brunch with our friends. And that is awesome when it works for you and when it's possible for you but it doesn't work for everybody and it's not possible for everybody, right? Mm-hmm. Those things require financial resources. They require often childcare assistance or time off work. And some people don't have those things. Other people also really struggle with just a need to accomplish things. A lot of people find it very hard to unwind and relax and care for themselves if their space is chaotic. And so I give people permission to allow self, like maybe self-care for Sally looks like a bubble bath and a mani-pedi, but maybe self-care for Susan is reorganizing the closet. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. That's okay. Like there's not a right or a wrong way to care for yourself. I'm, I'm, all about focusing on what works for you and recognizing and acknowledging that what works for someone else may not work for you and what works for you may not work for the next person. That's great. Productivity can also be such a self-esteem booster, right? Absolutely. It builds mastery, right? Like look at this thing that I'm, I did. Look at this thing that I'm good at. And when we build mastery in any domain, it increases our self-esteem and it makes us feel better. Also wanted to ask you, which I'm really curious about, it's kind of two questions in one. What are you seeing most commonly generally with with couples and what is something they can do to kind of get through this time. Number one and number two is parenting disagreements, how people discipline their children different, differently and how they can kind of get on the same page. Sure. With couples, I'm seeing a lot of the same thing that I'm seeing in individuals just compounded. But a lot of couples are, are expressing burnout, especially depending on what level of isolation they've been in during this time um, and how much they're seeing of each other. Many households have not only kids doing virtual school, but also both parents are working remotely and suddenly Mm -hmm. we're all seeing a lot more of each other than we ever have, which is great, but also difficult. And both of those things can be true. So uh, some couples are feeling a a bit of of being spread too thin, wearing a lot more hats than they might have normally, um, and being kind of stuck in a rut because if they are isolating more, they are not necessarily going on the same kinds of dates that they were doing or traveling the way that they used to or seeing friends and having social interaction the way that they previously were. And in regards to parenting, do you think, obviously, this has raised a lot more issues because, you know, I'm sure children, even the youngest ones, they they might not be fully cognizant of what's going on, but certainly they're feeling the stress of it some way, shape or form. I mean, have you heard of that from your patients that their kids are acting out more? Definitely. Yeah. It's so, and and I think that honestly, that's why self-care is so important in all of this, right? So if we take a step back and think about who we are with our, with our partner and with our children and the impact that that has. So if I say, and and I say this with no judgment for anyone who might be feeling that because I have been this person. If I say, well, I don't have time for self-care. I can do that later. I can take care of myself later. The person that I'm bringing to my family is not going to be my best self. 
I'm not going to be the best mom that I can be, not going to be the best wife that I can be. I'm going to be a person who is feeling stressed out and overwhelmed and any other host of, of uncomfortable emotions. So if we can take some time, and it doesn't have to be hours, it could be five minutes a day. I try to get people to commit to 20 minutes a day at least. But if we can find just even a small chunk of time to care for ourselves, then we are going to be better able to be the best version of ourselves for our loved ones. And especially when it comes to our children, we're going to be modeling that kind of behavior that we hope they are internalizing. That's such a powerful way that you said it, because I know a lot of people I've heard. So, and I say it myself, I make sure that I exercise so that I can be the best mom that I can be. When you say, so I, the person that I'm bringing to my family, it just puts like a different spin on it that makes it more acceptable almost for some reason. Self-care is important because you want to bring that person to your family. That's, that's, That's a great statement. Yeah, I love that line. Having said that, Another great statement that I'm sure you've got, uh, you know, a little snippet for us that could be pretty powerful. Is there something that you would say to the listener? We are in this final COVID stretch. People are starting to get vaccinated and numbers are hopefully going to start to go down and uh, herd immunity is hopefully on the horizon. A lot of people are, are exhausted from isolation. They're, they're COVID exhausted. Anything that you can say to them that they can take with them, carry through the end of this? First and foremost, this is time limited. This is not going to be forever. And then also, and this holds true pandemic or no pandemic, you are enough. Whatever you're struggling with, whatever you're feeling a failure about or wanting to more, know that you are enough. That's great. That's a great mantra. I'm writing it down. Yeah, right. (laughs) Actually, I I do what I refer to as post-it note therapy. So that's the kind of thing that I have patients write on post-it note and put on their mirror or on their computer so that every time they see it, they are repeating it to themselves. Because research has shown, I can tell you that you're enough all day long. Your partner can tell you that you're enough all day long. Your kids can tell you that you're enough all day long. But if you are not telling yourself that, If you are telling yourself you're not enough, that is the voice that's loudest in our head. And that's going to be the one that impacts our our emotional and mental functioning the most. That's great. That's very powerful. Another thing that I want to touch on really quickly, because it is just so empowering, um, you have started your own private practice. Tell us a little bit about that. How long have you had your private practice? I started my private practice in 2017 after my daughter was born six weeks premature and we were in the process of getting her diagnosis. And that was sort of a life-changing moment. At the time, I had been working with a very successful group practice on the other side of town. And I realized immediately that that was not going to be tenable. I was not going to be able to drive 45 minutes in each direction and work long hours with a child that had such significant medical complications. So I, I actually launched my business from the NICU. Oh my gosh. Uh, I I still remember clearly, you know, doing holding my daughter on my chest skin to skin and and on my phone designing my business cards. Incredible. Um I started in 2017 and and thankfully I had a number of patients that followed me all the way to the other side of town right away. So we were were doing well from day 1 and I'm very grateful for that and 
since that time, I now have four other clinicians working with me and we continue to to grow. That's amazing. Now in this era that we're in with virtual appointments, are you now starting to think about expanding? Because really with this you video conferencing, you can talk to anyone in the world, which is so must be so exciting for you. Well, that's only partly true. So oh. I can talk, I can, we can only talk to people who are located in the state in which we are licensed. Ah, didn't know that. Maybe. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. So, so, you know, any mental health provider who has a license has to protect that license. And so so I can conduct therapy with people who are in Ohio, or in some cases, I've had patients who have moved away, and I've been able to get credentialing in their state, but it is something that you would have to do. So if I wanted to talk with anyone in the world, I would have to get licensed in all 50 states. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. So what's the name of your private practice? So anyone that's in the Cleveland area can can track you down. Uh, it's Westside Behavioral Health. And really could be anyone in Ohio as we are doing a lot of teletherapy. We're doing ex- exclusively teletherapy at the moment, but it's something we anticipate keeping in the long term. Nice. So lastly, we want to ask you a few questions and we like to call it our wrap session, our Nirvana wrap session. What is your favorite wellness or beauty hack? Well, I've got a couple of them for you. Okay. That's okay. So share. No, we love it. Love it. My beauty hack is the Revlon hair dryer slash volumizing brush. I know it well. Oh my gosh. It makes dealing with my hair way easier. But in terms of wellness, my, my favorite one is intermittent fasting. It serves so many important functions in cell turnover, regulating hormones, increasing energy levels. And it's something that I have done sort of off and on as it's become more trendy. But I also have an autoimmune disorder and my physicians have been very clear that I really need to be doing this to help reduce inflammation. And I find that the the more committed to intermittent fasting I am, the more energy I feel. My mornings, I mean, I am just locked in. I am energetic. I am focused. I feel fantastic. It's really a wonderful, natural, easy to do thing. So what time do you start eating? So I will, I usually start eating around like 11, between 1130 and 1230. And then I stop for the, usually by 630. That's very cool. I never, I don't think I've ever heard that it can give you such a great buzzing energy. I feel great in the morning. Very nice. And then the last hack that I, I want to share with you is using daylight light bulbs. We are in winter. Mm-hmm. And winter for many of us is dark and grim. Certainly any fellow Clevelanders listening can appreciate that. Um, and daylight light bulbs are designed to mimic the sun. And so that that's going to elevate your mood. And so in my home and in my office, every light bulb is daylight. My husband often jokes that I'm, I'm lighting us up like an airport, but it's really as a means of, of elevating people's mood and energy levels in a very easy, affordable kind of way. I love that. It reminds me of my sunrise alarm clock that I talked about a couple episodes ago. Huge difference, but I need to start changing my light bulbs out. Love it. How do you maintain your daily nirvana? Like, what do you do to keep yourself positive and balanced on a daily basis? So I do about 30 minutes on the treadmill every day. Not even necessarily fast. Uh, I'm not a runner by nature. It's not my favorite but I do try to spend 30 minutes briskly walking, getting my heart rate going, you know, just giving myself permission to do that is 
like for many people, a huge feat in and of itself. And so making that commitment to myself feels really good. And then I also try to work on a meditation practice um, and at a minimum finding a few, you know, few small chunks of time throughout the day where I can be still, where I can turn everything off, focus on my breath. You know, it might be, you know, 10 minutes after I wrap up a session, I might just sit still quietly, close my computer, just have a moment. It could be driving in the car with the radio off and my phone on silent or laying in bed in the morning before I wake up, just trying to steal those moments of stillness and peace. We're big advocates of that here. You've got your movement Absolutely. and your meditation balance going. I love that. I would love it if you would want to stick around for our product review. Do you want to hear Amy always brings the best product reviews? You want to hang out for a couple of minutes? Okay, cool. So this week, I'm glad you mentioned sleep hygiene because I want to talk about something that has always been a challenge for me, which is I'm always, or not all the time, but a lot of the time hot at night. It's either I'm hot or my husband's hot. And it's like, you can never regulate the temperature, no matter how many times you like change the the thermometer knob in your room. And we've tried like different pajamas and different sheets and different cooling pillows and nothing has seemed to work. Recently, my friend Leslie recommended a brand of sheets to me called Cozy Earth. And they are expensive. They start at around $250 for a set, but they do have a lot of sales often. So I happen to get mine on sale and you can get them at CozyEarth.com. They're made from bamboo and they're really, really high quality and they are so soft. And honestly, the temperature is this perfect temperature. I don't know how they do it, but they feel so luxurious. At night, when I get into bed, I'm like so excited to jump into bed when these sheets are on the bed because I know I'm going to have a good night's sleep. I mean, it really makes a big difference. So they only come in white. They're free of harmful chemicals. They're non-toxic, dye-free. It's certified organic bamboo. It's made from bamboo fiber and silk, all organic. Everything's sustainable. It's sourced from USDA certified organic farms. And again, they're just so relaxing. I'm literally excited every time these sheets are on my bed that I bought another pair so we wouldn't go without them. (laughs) The only problem is it's very hard to wake up in the morning because I just want to stay in bed and cuddle with these amazing sheets, but I am not hot in the sheets. I feel so comfy and good. It kind of has this cool feeling when you jump in, but then it gets warm and it's so great. Katie knows this. I bought the Cozy Earth Comforter, which has like changed the game. And then my husband bought me pajamas. So now I'm like Cozy Earth (laughs) out. But speaking of sleep hygiene, I think sleep is medicine. I tell my kids that all the time. I mean, it is so important to get sleep. It contributes to so much of how you function. So having the right experience and sleep set up is crucial. So highly recommend Cozy Earth. And I can speak to it because I have slept in the Cozy Earth sheets in your guest room. And That's right. Yeah, it is like the perfect night's sleep. They are fantastic. Yeah, so soft and cozy. Yeah. All right. Well, why don't we hit our mantra of the week? I have one that I think um, is, you know, pretty pertinent to to what you brought today, Dr. Cooper. And also it, it came to me today because I had a little bit of a rough moment this morning that I'll share. I uh, found out via social media that in my town, the vaccination was readily available for group 1B, which I was supposed to be in because of my autoimmune disease. And I was psyching out and trying to make an appointment, uh, like, you know, heart rate going a million miles an hour, thinking this is it, I'm finally going to get this vaccination. And then I found out that my government moved people with underlying health conditions to 1C. So it was a big kick in the teeth. And it really took me a moment to regroup afterwards. And then that's when I kind of found this mantra to get me through it. So you cannot control what happens to you. 
but you can control your attitude toward what happens to you. So I'm going to be. Wow. Take that that one. Yeah. Yeah. Take that one with you this week. That is a great one. I love it. Well, thank you, Dr. Cooper, for being on the show. This was so enlightening and I feel so relaxed and comfortable after speaking with you. I think you have definitely spoken to me and Katie and the audience. And I think everyone should feel um, kind of more positive about what everybody's going through right now. So thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Bye, everyone. Bye, guys. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Nirvana Sisters. For more information on this episode, check out the show notes. Please subscribe and leave us a review. Also, find us on Instagram at Nirvana Sisters. If you loved what you just listened to or know someone that would, please share it and tag us. Tune in next week for a fresh new episode of Nirvana Sisters. We'll continue to watch out for all things wellness so you don't have to. Bye. Bye.